just a hand, a Roman cowman, working in Arizona, one with a wagon on his span. He didn't mind the country or the horses he rode. Two letters to find him was G. Never had no wife and never had no kids. Played the sure spot sick calf faster than you did. He's the spirit of the west, child of the sage, tougher than the thorns on the cactus, wise as the wind on the range. He's a cow, he's got no home. He's a drifting buckaroo, born to work and born to run. He's a cowboy, and everything he owns is a truck and a trailer with his baby and his run. Take his bedroll over a five-star hotel To live right next to neighbors Be a darn sure living hell He'll ride on with the cow Till the day that he's done With the knowledge of the cowboy Sets and rises with the sun He's a cowboy He's got no home He's a drippin' muck groove, born to work and born He's a cowboy, everything he owns, and a truck and a trailer with his baby. He was just a Roman cowman He worked in Arizona with a wagon on the span Hey, Tommy, can you hear me? Yes, sir, Tommy, how are you? I'm doing well, how about yourself? I'm glad today is over <laughs> Why is that? Uh, it was just a real long day of cattle not cooperating. New cattle or just being typical cattle? Just being typical cattle. We were uh, we were trying to get a bunch of pairs kicked out. We kicked about, I don't know, 110, 120 pairs out today. Off uh, Made a big sort off the rest of the cows that got a calf and... Well, you know how cows are. So it was the the sorting part that was the uh, frustrating or most difficult part. Yeah, well, see, we had to we we just pull pairs off, right? Like we'll just the cows are in a big pen, and we'll just ride in there, and oh, there's a pair, and then we'll peel that that pair out of the pen, and then kick them out to grass type deal. 
Mm-hmm. So trying to get a pair, like when you start moving a pair, calves, it's a nice day. Calves are feeling good running around playing and trying to keep a pair together. Yeah, that sounds like um, you'd want the day to be over. <laughs> and uh, I'm waiting for Cliff to join in and then waiting on Julian. And um, <clears throat> I know Cliff is waiting for his – I sent him a link to his email. And then Julian um, – it might take him a second to figure it out. I've always got to to do it twice before it joins conversations. So, yeah, I can send them the link. I just thought we would uh, we'd bullshit here for a minute before I send oh. them links. All right, yeah, um, yeah. Cliff, he um, he wanted to join in today, and I thought it would be it, it would be an interesting way to offer three different opinions on what Julian's got in mind. And when I spoke with Julian this afternoon, I, I, I think it's it, it, is what he wants to discuss is, is I guess, younger, the younger generation, I, I hate to sound old, but, but how some of these young horsemen are taking their frustrations out on the horse. Um, and maybe in the occasions, it's just because the horse isn't doing what they think it should. And it's either making them frustrated or they've already come with a frustrated state of mind. And, and he wants to hear more about how we deal with that and how we can overcome that. I think is more or less where he was coming from. Oh, okay. Um, and it just, uh, you know, out of some of the, the comments today, his just struck my mind because I think it was something we might've hit on. Um, and it might've been on Matt's podcast that we hit on about, how your energy and, and you might, it, it might be so subtle that you don't even realize it, but you could be, you, you just might've woken up in a bad mood and it's going to translate through everything you do that day. And when you go to get on your horse, it might just be so subtle. You don't even realize it, but your horse picked up on that, that your distraction, that bad attitude that you might have and picking up on that energy and and Cliff, um, I know he'll bring a lot to that conversation as well. But I'm trying to think, and and we'll know more once we get into to to understanding what Julian's talking about, to kind of how we would we would approach the situation or change the philosophy of of maybe who he's talking about, and then also maybe you know just plain and simple present a new philosophy to the listeners. Oh, a hundred percent. Um, and it's been something I've been thinking about, you know, for the day and, and kind of how we would go with this. But I think when we get into it, it's, we're going to, we're, we're going to know more of what Julian's talking about and where he's coming from. And if it's something that, that you could maybe help him explain a little bit more, Cliff could explain a little bit, then I think that adds a lot more to the conversation and I think this is just one of those times that, that it, bringing another another horseman on as well is going to bring a little bit, a little more to the conversation because I think there could be just different, there could be so many different opinions on how we approach frustration and, and maybe lack of patience with our horses. And I think there, there's just a lot of ways to deal with it depending on maybe what's causing that frustration or impatience. And so I think... You know, we, we, we can all come to a, 
maybe a different way we do it, but you know, like we always say, it, it's the end result is what we're looking for. Oh yes, it's always about the end result. So I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna add these two on, and um, right. for the folks that are listening, this is um, this is a podcast with uh, Tommy and myself, and let's talk horses. here yes sir yes sir glad to be here well thank you for joining us yes sir how are you this evening i'm doing good had a good day today got some stuff done here around the place and uh getting ready to go out i go tomorrow for the next few days to start some colts over in pennsylvania so i was kind of preparing for that oh good deal yes sir good deal tommy are you still with us I am, I am. Now, oh, okay. Cliff, you, you, you and Tuffy, you haven't been on this podcast, have you? No, sir, I haven't. I've, I've listened to a couple of them, and uh, and it, it's a good thing you're doing, but I'm, uh, that's why I'm real glad to be here. Well, g- give Tuffy a little bit of, uh, I guess, a quick, a really quick kind of background um, of, of where you come from, what you do. Yes, and sir. I guess kind of an idea of why I chose... You know, I, yep. I wanted you to be part of the conversation this evening. Yes, sir. Uh, I was a New York kid, grew up in Long Island, uh, second generation horse trainer there, but it was in a flat saddle jumping fences. And uh, as a kid, all I ever wanted to be was a cowboy and ride horses. And so uh, as soon as I was old enough, I went out west and I, I got jobs on different ranches and kind of worked my way up. And then I just kind of went around starting colts for uh, a lot of different people throughout the west for a lot of years. And then... Uh, Kind of made my way back to the East Coast now, and I split my year between Florida and Maryland, which is kind of nice seasonally. And uh, I pretty much just start colts and fix problem horses. I, I travel around the country doing a lot of colt starting clinics as well as horsemanship clinics, and so that's kind of kind of me in a nutshell. Oh, that's that's awesome. Yes, sir. I I don't get away from home too much. I'm fairly kind of just stuck where I'm at. Yeah, I hear that. So, um, Tommy, did you send Julian the the link, or do I need to? Uh, you go ahead and try. I don't know if mine went through or not. Okay, well, you guys just kind of talk amongst yourselves here, <laughs> and I'll get this done real quick. Sounds good. So what did you get done today, Cliff? Oh, just kind of got my trailer ready. We'd been we've been running back and forth between two farms. We've got a lot of their young horses at one farm, and uh, the more show horses and stuff at, at another. They're not too far apart, but I've been shuttling some of my horses over there to use for pony horses to start some colts that were working. And uh, so my trailer was kind of getting trashed from going back and forth every day, and everybody's throwing their crap in it and all that. So I kind of got that put back together and got some tack ready and I messed with a few horses here, made sure that things are kind of in order for me to be gone. That was about it. What part of Pennsylvania? Uh, it's not, it's actually not very far from where I am. Uh, Conestoga. It's, it's only like a little over an hour or something like that. Yeah. I can't think of the only part I've been to Pennsylvania is where the Cheshire hunt was. Um, and gosh, I swear it was just right over the border out of Maryland. Um, but, I mean, I 
I didn't know any part of that country except where the Cheshire was. And, yeah. And, um, oh, what was that three-day adventure that used to live back in that way? Uh, uh, Davidson. Oh, yeah. Buck, Buck Davidson. Yeah, Buck. Yeah. It was Buck. That's, uh, that, that's as far as Pennsylvania as I've been. Yes, yeah, sir. Pennsylvania is a neat – it's a neat place. I mean, it's like there's – there's herds of elk there. They actually have an elk season, which you'd never think. Never. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's really weird. There's a remnant herd of elk there that has been maintained and they do like a lottery on it every year. But, uh, but yeah, Pennsylvania is, I mean, it's super rich in agriculture and there's a lot of cowboys come out of that country. It's, it's odd. You'd never, you'd never think it, but there's a lot of good cowboys come out of Pennsylvania. Well, the King Ranch did have a little place up there. I know that. Yep. So, you yes, know, they're dead. If the King Ranch had a place up there, then there's a little part of cowboy country up there. There sure is. There is. Julian, how are you this evening? I'm doing good. How about you, sir? Ah, I'm still breathing. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, so Tommy, uh, why don't you just take off from here? All right. Well, um, Julian, you and I spoke a little bit earlier about the, the comments you had made. But I guess first off is is uh, give us a little bit of your background, and then we'll, we'll we'll jump into the the comments you made, and and maybe get a little bit of understanding of where that comes from, so we can maybe give you some different points of view and just you know have a discussion about horses. Yes. Sir. So um, yeah, just just tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I've actually grown up in Seminole, Texas. And uh, from there on, I kind of was around my grandfather who cowboyed through his old age. From there, I just wanted a cowboy, wanted to become a pretty good horse trainer and see where it takes me. And I guess at this point, where where has it taken you? It's taken me to a little place called Cabola, New Mexico. My uh, my boss bought some land, and he's asking me to run it for him. Oh, nice. So kind of understanding where that's at. Are you close to Albuquerque or maybe up closer to Santa Fe? Or yes, you, sir. You know, I'm like an hour and a half away from Santa Fe. Oh, cool. My wife and I are thinking about going there this fall to visit because uh, we've never been out that way. Yes, sir. Uh, but uh, and and right now you're managing this ranch, and then uh, you're taking care, of, taking care of yearlings or mama cows, and then uh, tell us about your horses. Well, for right now, uh, we're kind of getting everything in good shape. We're taking care of the fence for right now. We should have some maybe six weights in around a week or so. Okay. And with my horses, I actually got four. I got two grade. Four-year-olds, uh, three-year-old grade filly, and a well, barely turned two, Hancock filly. <laughs> I'm sure we're going to talk about that horse. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm ready. <laughs> but uh, um, now, uh, trying to think of where we can start this conversation. Now, I, I guess what. The comments you had made, I guess, for, for Cliff and Tuffy, to I maybe get a better understanding of where you're coming from, you're, you were mentioning the frustration, and you and I spoke this afternoon, and when it's 
And it kind of sounded like it was, you know, the young kids these days taking their frustrations out on their young horses. Now, is that frustration maybe coming from somewhere else or the, just the frustration of what these young horses are maybe causing these young kids to go through? And so then the young horse or the, the young kid basically, be, you know, kind of becomes a bully to, you know, the young horse just through misunderstanding. Um, kind of, uh, you know, clarify that so we can understand it and then probably give you, you know, try to give you the best, I guess, um, interpretation or best answer we, you know, we can come up with on that. Yes, sir. Well, that comment I made earlier from the frustration part, I've, including me, I've seen many, many of these young kids kind of want to do something and like it takes time for that coat to learn. So I think we just lost him. <laughs> oh, I think we did. He'll jump back in. Yeah, he'll be back. I'll uh, resend the link to him. But it, now, what do y'all think uh, of kind of what maybe where he's trying to, to, to go with the frustration part of this? Well, I guess, I guess what I, what I think first off is that it's the young men and frustration with horses coming out. I, I think it's uh, that's kind of a tale as old as time, really. Like, I mean, I can remember when I was younger watching young guys thump and tune on their horses, you know, more out of frustration and, and, you know, kind of aggression than out of the horse, what that horse needed in that moment. Um, and and I, I think like ego has a lot to do with that. I think that, you know, these days it's like if you can look cool thumping on your bronc, you know, for clout on TikTok or something, you know, and that's that's kind of those are driving things behind it. You know, it's not it's not cool to be soft. It's not cool to be gentle. And so I, I think that these guys, it, it builds up to where it's almost expected. You know, you're not John Wayne tough unless you're thumping on your horse. That kind of sums it up for me. Yeah. And it, it, it almost gives them. I, I don't know if this is going to sound right, but it almost gives them an excuse not to learn to be a much, a much more um, soft and supple rider. And it's just more easier for them to kind of thump one around and basically ask them everything out of speed. And if they don't give it to you, then you kick them around. Yeah. Um, but I think we got Julian back. Yes, sir. Yes, we do. My phone was out okay. Okay, no worries. Um, now, where did we leave off, Julian? You were getting more into the frustration and and where this comment came from, and and I guess better understanding of where you're coming from, on, you know, with that. Yes, sir. Uh, from that part, like I said, most of these kids, when they are starting a young, a really young horse, and it usually takes maybe that horse. You, a couple of days, couple of weeks to get it right, but they kind of want that right then and there. And if that horse doesn't do it, they kind of go to whip in, to spurn them in the chest and all that. Yeah, and, and do you think that's just coming from, and I we were talking about this while you had, you, you had disappeared there for a little bit. Do you think th this is coming just from, it's easier for them to be that way instead of learning how to be soft and supple, or is it just, or is it, is it maybe coming from an insecurity of, of, of a lack of knowledge when it comes to horsemanship, or is it just the way they're going to be? And that's just the way it is. 
I think it's a lack of knowledge for most of these new trainers. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah, I, I, I would I would have to agree. I think a lot of it is lack of knowledge, which is really pretty sad when there's so much knowledge available. There's there's never been more knowledge available. So, you know, ignorance may be bliss, but you know, I think there's a guilt that comes along with it. if you're if you're ignorant at this point, it's almost because you want to be. I think there's a lot of people that they don't want to be told, they don't want to learn, and it's it's become like you know, going to clinics and taking lessons, doing things like that has become made uncool by the masses doing it. So it, it, it's kind of, you know, some people want to be ignorant, I guess. Yeah, I think ignorance gives you an excuse just to, it, it, you know, like I see it. And, and I think you'll probably understand where I'm coming from on this cliff. It, it's always easier to be negative than it is positive. Right. And so it's easier to give an excuse than to say, I just don't know. Yeah. And, and I think as you get older and as you've been on as many horses and been through many experiences as, as we all have, it be, to me, it becomes a little, a little bit humbling when you can say, I don't know. Yeah. And yeah. I can understand when, of course, when we were all young, it was, we thought we could ride the hair off of anything, and, oh, and yeah. there, there wasn't going to be any. Even though we looked up to to the older men, there wasn't going to be anybody to tell us what you know how to ride our horses and how to train them because of our you know our ego. And right. when we can throw that ego away and learn to become much more humble in what we do, I think we're we're going to learn ten times faster than if we weren't you know to open up that way. Yeah. And, um, and, and now Julian, and you, you asking this question, are there a bunch of young, young guys that you're around or seeing that are, that are in these situations of, of maybe over frustration or, you know, like when we say ignorance is bliss, that these, these kids maybe have a little bit of an ego and don't want to learn, or do they not have the access to learn more? Well, as young as, I am. I've been. I kind of been in that situation. Uh, a buddy of mine is. Uh, he's from uh, Barrow, Texas. His name is Roy Edwards. He's a old time cowboy. He's uh, seen me be or kind of go through that phase. And one day he went up, told me, "Hey, horse, and take a breather." From his words, he told me to relax and just. Train. Don't get frustrated because you're going to get the horse frustrated. And from there on, I kind of just take a breather and try to get right with the horse. Now, let me ask you that. I'm going to ask you two questions. First of all, oh, did we lose him again? We did. Oh, dang it. <laughs> now I'm going to keep losing my train of thought. <laughs> Where's my notepad? Um, yeah, I got me a notepad here just in case um, that kind of stuff happens. Uh, now, Tuffy, how old are you again? Me, I, I am thirty-four. Golly, you're young. <laughs> Some days I really don't feel that young. But uh, imagine when you're forty-eight. I don't uh, really want to think about that. <laughs> so, uh, and, and Cliff, you're forty-four. Uh, forty-three. 43 okay so yeah you're 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 just five years younger than i am and yeah and, yeah and so 
Tuffy, talking about these experiences of frustration and whatnot, like I can think back when I was 34, it was, there was so much to, to learn, so much knowledge to gain. And I was, I guess, I don't want to say I wasn't open to it, but I, I was so stuck in that, that, that phase of I'm the only one here breaking Colts. I don't need to learn anymore because I've got a waiting list. Um, and I know all there is to know because I'm getting by with these young horses. Was there ever, you know, at the age you're at, Tuffy, does that ever, and, and I guess honestly, does that ever pop into your head? Well, I mean, it, it does and it doesn't, um, right? Because I ride a lot of my own horses. I've kind of gotten away from from riding the outside horses just because of my job and what I have to do. But as of the frustration, I know where he's coming from because um, you're working on an outfit, you're taking care of cows. Um, there are things that need to be done every day. And you're riding a young horse and you're like, golly, I got to get this done, this done, and this done. And, you know, sometimes just the stress of what needs to get done and trying to get something done. And, you know, just a colt being a shithead at times, which every colt will be, um, the frustration really will kick in then. You know, you're kind of on that time clock where I got to get this done and I got to get it done now. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you will fall into – and I'm, I'm just as guilty of it as the next guy. kind of drumming on one and, you know, just trying to force them through it. Yeah. Well, we got Julian back. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay, okay. Um, okay, what, what, what I was asking, Julian, there were two questions you, you were telling us about. Um, the, the old man that told you to get off and take a breather. And so what I was asking is, you know, how old were you when that happened? And then what did you feel like when you got off and you actually sat down for a moment and thought about it at that moment that he asked you to do that? I was 20 years old. We was uh, checking pens at a little feed yard up in Milshoe. And how I felt is I felt like he was right. I got off, took a breather, kind of petted on the horse, got back on, and just went to riding. I just started walking. Walking with the horse or just away from the horse? Just with the horse. Good. Okay. I, I was, I, I was kind of hoping that, yeah, that horse would be with you. Uh, and then after that, and you got back on, did, what, did, did it take a while for you to, to, I guess, get that in your mind that, that you needed to be opposite of what you were before you got off that horse? Or were you still kind of unsure of yourself and, Oh gosh, what's the word I'm thinking of? You maybe took a different approach to to riding this horse. Well, once I got back on, I kind of just thought to myself, it doesn't take a, a minute, it doesn't take a day. It usually takes a few weeks for them to get this right. So I usually went step by step, but I took things slow this time. Yeah, and slow, slow is much better than fast. Um, and how old are you now? I am 21. Oh, gosh. I was expecting to say like 25 or 26. <laughs> no, sir. <laughs> now I feel old. 
Um, so, so it, it, you know, Julian, I think you're probably in a pretty good place right now. Um, but it, I guess it, with the three of us, uh, um, Tuffy, Cliff, and I in this conversation, pick our brains. What do you want to know? What are your what What, what are some of the the things that are driving you crazy right now when it comes to these horses? Well, the thing the most I really wanted to learn about is how to connect with the horse. How can a horse and me become pretty good? Okay, I'm gonna let's get that one to Cliff. All right. Well, for me, I, I build not to sound too hippy dippy, but I, I build a lot of my program on on kind of trust and partnership with the horse, and uh, but but not in a not in a unicorn farts and fairy piss kind of way, but but you know through through leadership and and uh, having boundaries and things like that. But um, but I think for me, really what what builds connection for me with my horses is convincing, doing whatever I need to do, whatever it takes to convince that horse and show that horse that he's safe when he's with me. And when you can make a horse feel safe when, when he's around you for a horse, that, for an animal that is a, a prey animal, like they are feeling safe is something that, that doesn't come easy. And, and when they find that feeling, they're always going to hunt that. So if you can get them feeling safe with you and build that kind of connection Man, you get a horse doing a lot of things for you. Yes. Now, <laughs> now Tuffy, you're in a in, in a different situation than say Cliff and I, and you've got a job to do, but you also want to build a connection with that horse. And it, <clears throat> it seems that that Julian is going to be in a position or in a position that's maybe a little similar to yours, where uh, we lose him again. We did. <laughs> oh, just when this really starts get rolling um but but i i guess let me I, i'll just continue with you tuffy on this on this question is now you've got a job to get done and you've got a horse to ride and i know there comes a point where that job maybe overrides what you got to do with your horse and like what advice could you offer offer julian to to help, I guess, get along or get through those moments with his horse when he has a job to get done, um, how to build that connection with his horse at the same time when he knows he might have to get rough with him. Not not rough with him because he's being a shithead, but just rough with him because there there's a, you know, a cow that's, that's taken off pretty quick and you got to get to it. Um, Like what I do is, you know, if, I'll just put miles on them, right? Just, just miles on them. And if I have to go after a cow, um, you know, as long as he's trying to get after that cow, we might not beat that cow. That cow might get away. But as long as he's giving an honest shot at moving his feet and going forward, hey, we're winning. Yeah. And, right. And so, Julian, what I was saying there is after, right before we lost you, is, 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 um, Tuffy's not in the same situation that you are, but y'all have basically a, a job you've got to get done, and that's cows. And those cows are going to be a priority or over your horsework. So I was I compared to what <clears throat> what Cliff and I do, 
I wanted Tuffy's perspective on basically you've got another thing to get done with these cows and your horses and how do you make that connection? And so that's, that's where Tuffy was going in this conversation. And uh, I think kind a of big you thing to relate to. I think a big thing too is um, that I've started doing in the past few years um, is every morning you, you saddle up and ride out, you kind of know what your day is going to be, you know, there's going to be some unknowns, but you, you kind of have a game plan of what you're going to get done that day. And if it's just an easy day of, of gathering or just an easy day of checking, I'll take a younger horse that I really don't need to do a whole lot. And if it's going to be a day where we know we're going to be roping or we know it's going to be a long day, you know, I'll, I'll take a horse that's mentally ready for that. Um Mind you, you know, things pop up on the pasture and uh, when you're out checking cattle. And what I really like to do, too, is if I'm riding with somebody and I'm having trouble, let's just say, Tommy, like you said, there's a cow you got to get around. If there's another guy there to help you and you can set it up right where he goes after the cow and you just kind of follow. Right. And get that horse moving. Um yep. It, it saved you drumming on him and just digging after him and basically picking a fight with him, right? It gets his feet moving. Um, and he's not really thinking about what he's doing because he's just following the other horse. But he's moving his feet and he's going yeah. forward. And he sees, you know, you turn that cow. Um, you're building his confidence, right? There's somebody else there to help him. Yeah, and that and, and having someone there to help you sure is going to take a little bit of the pressure, um, especially when you're you know you're you're bringing these young horses along. Um, now, 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 Julian, in 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 your situation right now, um, being that you are 21, I mean Jesus, I can think <laughs> when I was back at 21. Uh, what 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 is what are your goals? What it, it is it is becoming a horseman or horse trainer your goals or is becoming say a working cowboy that that produces his own horses for sale to keep or are you looking to get on an outfit that maybe has all the young horses you get to break them while working cattle well it you know at this age that might be also hard to answer but it is 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 that kind of the career you're headed toward or what part of that career would you be headed towards? Well, basically all of them, basically, uh, I kind of want to become a better horsemanship, better trainer. I want to go places where I could see and I could learn. Yeah. And that's a big thing. And, 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 and I want, I, I'm just going to say right now, when I was 21, I probably had no patience for anything in the world. And and right now, that the biggest piece of advice I can offer you, and I'm sure we can all offer you, is just be patient. It will happen if it's what you want to do um, in this industry. And um, I'm trying to think of you know think here of, of oh damn it, <laughs> <laughs> Cliff, save my breath. Start talking. <laughs> Oh man, I don't know where to give me a topic or something. Um, uh, where were you when you were twenty-one? Oh, I was like a loose horse, boys. 
I was, man, I was, I was kind of all over the place really, but, um, I was, it was, I was about 20 or 21 when I, when I made the big leap, like totally left, you know, totally left my hometown, kind of where my family was and all that. And, uh, went out West, um, prior, prior to that, I'd gone, you know, for kind of short stints to different places, you know, people that would have me out and ride Colts or something. And, uh, so about 20 or 21, I, I, packed my bags from New York. I drove by myself all the way out to Redmond, Oregon, and uh, went to work for a cutting trainer out there for a while. And then I ended up going to work for some ranches out in that part of the country. But man, I was just kind of wherever the wind blew me uh, during that period. That's kind of where I was. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and Tuffy, I know it wasn't that long ago. Where were you when you were 21? I, I was basically just drifting around cowboying here cowboy in there road, road, riding i just wanted to see different country right so i just moved around a lot um kind of rode for whoever i could ride for right if there was a an opening on a ranch i would fill it and go work for them for a while till i had enough of that place and you know here down the road they're hiring and well, i wonder what it's like over there so just move on and go over there uh, we have him back. Yes, sir. Uh, yeah, I guess don't mind letting me know what you guys are using, so I won't have to keep breaking up. Um, as far as on on like the uh, cell service. Uh, yes, sir. I'm using uh, just off the link that Tuffy had sent me on Verizon. Okay. Yeah, because uh, he sent me the link, and I'm I'm also using that. Oh, it might just be a, a bad signal. But um what we were what we were talking about was was it, where you had cut off is is the age of twenty one and where we were all at, at when we were your age. And let you know, and we were off of you, you you know, before you cut out, we were discussing like, you know, where you're headed, you, you know, where you wanna be at this age and, and it's not just hor- it's not just horsemanship but it's working cows and bringing along young horses you know at the same time while working cattle and um so i i guess with that uh where where would you see yourself in five years i I know that's kind of a generic question but i think in the horse industry i find and tuffy and cliff might agree that every five years there's a, a kind of a shift in your horsemanship there's a change in the way you approach things um so where where do you see yourself in let's say five years well where i see myself in five years is hopefully i could have a little place with my own horses my own brand and just training just making some of the good horses where everyone's like hey i kind of want to Take my horse to this guy or buy a horse from this guy. I like I, I, I like that, and I, I see you, you sound like a you you are very you're a very already a very kind of of a, of a kind humble person, and I think you might have that approach to horses. Now I'm going to ask Tough and Cliffy, uh, Tuffy and Cliff, this. Do you, when I say your horsemanship kind of makes a change every five years, what what is y'all? What's your opinion on that? Say that one more time. So, like, 
I to me every five to seven years I find a shift or a change in my horsemanship, and it always seems to be for the better. I mean, of course, never never for the <clears throat> for the negative, but do do you and Tuffy do you know do y'all do y'all think the same thing that like there's a certain point that maybe we're not focusing or paying attention to it, but all of a sudden it's like five years goes by and you've noticed this huge change in your horsemanship. Yeah, I, I would say definitely. I mean, I, I feel that sometimes in, you know, a year or two, I feel a huge change, you know, usually there's, I can think of like different turning points in, in my kind of growth. And it was like, it was like a total change from what I was doing. So like, within a year, I was like in, in a way different place, uh, than I was. So, so looking back like three to five years ago, man, I've changed a ton in that time. Like the, the growth in my horsemanship and stuff has just been a lot. And what, and what do you think contributed to that? Uh, I be a student. I like getting coached. You know, I, I like having guys and, and I don't mean coach, like I'm going to go and and have my weekly lesson, which there's nothing wrong with that, but I've, I've never been that structured person more, more like be opening myself to criticism of like my mentors and, and, uh, you know, guys that I think highly of and kind of allowing that to help me grow and, and get better. Because I mean, for me, that's the biggest, that's the, the biggest prize for me is just to keep getting better. Yeah. And, 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 and Julian, listen to this, you know, I think this is an important thing that you listen to closely is, Yes, sir. It, how we, 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 oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> so, Tuffy, give us your um, philosophy on that, that, <laughs> that question there. Um, for me, you know, it, it, it changes yearly for me, right? Because I, prior to where I'm at now, I've been able to ride with a lot of different guys. Um, you know, so every year it, you're riding with somebody different and, um, everybody you ride with teaches you something. Absolutely. Right. And I, I kind of, I take every fall when we get done and I go to sell a horse, you know, I, I step back and I look at the horse and what I've accomplished with them. And then I get another one and okay, I want him to be better. And we're just going to go ahead and do the best we can to make him better. Yeah. So, and I think, you know, who you ride with and who you're around kind of sets the tone to, um, to how you progress, right? If you're always riding with guys that are are, are pushing to be better and make nicer horses, um, you know, you ride with them guys, they're going to push you to make better horses and make nicer horses because you want a horse like theirs. Yeah, no, totally, totally in, in, and I, the way I see it is, you know, I, I, I love being a better trainer and a better horseman because I think people pick up on, oh, is it back? Yes, sir, he I'm is back. back. Okay, okay, so where we left off was, um, oh, damn it, someone's going to have to remind me where we left off on that, um, uh, too many concussions in my life i can't remember yeah me too. <laughs> um uh, where'd we leave off julian it was uh, i know we were talking about the young age and uh, uh i guess 
who we learned from. Tuffy, do you remember exactly where we left off? Not exactly, but just where he was going to try and be in five years. Okay, so, yeah, that's what, what we're talking about. And, and we, so while you were gone, Julian, we were discussing about our thoughts in that process. But, you know, where you want to be in five years now, it's, I guess, that we're, we're, we'll just jump back into that is, is how do you, what is the best way, I guess, that you think in the horsemanship wise, is it guys you ride with or is, are you going to, are you going to reach out and just ask for suggestions? Or are you going to go off, say, intuitive sense and feel of your horse? Uh, where do you want to be with your, your, or how do you want to get there with your horses and, well, and, and do it in the most efficient way without, I guess, saving the frustration. Cause when you say frustration, we know that's efficient. So what, what is the way you think you will approach that? I think I approach that, uh, hopefully as a different person, a different horse horsemanship and with more knowledge. More knowledge, and then and you're 21, and so you, you do have a long way to go. And, um, but okay, so let me ask you this What is one thing if you had to, if there's 10 things that you're thinking about when it comes to your horsemanship, what is one thing that you would really, really ask us and try to get the most information you can? What, what would be that question? Um, I'm sorry, what was the question again? So if it, let's, let's say there's 10 things to that you're wondering about horsemanship, 10 questions you, you could ask, you could ask us, what would be the, the probably one question that you would want to ask us to probably get the most information out of? Uh, I'm trying to word that as, 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 as good as I can. Um, but basically one question that's important to you that you could ask us and get the most information out of, what would it be? I think one of those questions would be how to get a cult started the right way instead of the wrong way. Oh, oh wow. You have opened up the can of worms on that one. Um, let's see here. Uh, I mean, I think, um, I think with your question, um, there, there is no right or wrong way to start a horse. Um, it's how you go about connect or transferring that to the horse, right? Because every horse learns different. Every person learns different. So there's going to be no two horses the same. You're going to have to take a different point of view, um, not totally a different point of view, um, but you're going to have to change things up slightly with every horse you start because everyone's going to be different. I, I think that's an excellent answer, Tuffy. I, I, I think you probably took something I would have rambled on and on about and made it very simple. Like, don't, don't start your cults going, like, don't get repetitive as, um, this is how I do it every time. Um, the horse will tell you when he's ready to move on, when he's ready to progress and all that. And just go by what your horse is telling you. If something isn't really working, um, figure out what the problem is and, and change it to that horse. Yes, Maybe sir. it's just 
switching a bit out. Maybe it's just doing something a little different. Yeah. <laughs> We're listening, Tuffy. Yeah, that's you're right on, man. The uh, and I, I, I couldn't. I gotta say, I couldn't agree more with you. And I, I think to to add to kind of just what you were saying at the end, if I were to sum that up, it would be just keep developing your feel. You know, your your feel for the horse, your feel for situations, your feel for your gear, all of it, and just just keep on work working on building that to where you can read the situation and, and feel isn't some metaphysical thing. It's it's feel is it's just it's part of your senses and it's it's about how you observe the horse. It's how you recall past situations, how you you know, you kind of use what's around you to kind of figure out, you know, what's the best route of to make connection with this horse say you know and and you start kind of putting that all together and that's where your feel is developed so i, I think yeah. that's you know tough you said it best yeah i i i agree and it's you know feel is such a um it's like this mysterious thing that we all chase as horsemen not realizing that we have it it's just constantly developing I mean, in my opinion, it, it, it's, you know, when we first got on a colt and we stayed on it for the first time as it bucked around the round corral, we had a sense, we had a feel how to stay on that horse. And then now that when we horse and we're getting him to turn off the haunches precisely and maintaining his frame, that comes from feel. And that, that, and that feel comes from the first time, I'm just going to say the first time that we ever sat on a horse and thought about taking this seriously as a career. And maybe not even that. Maybe it was just an intuitive sense we had that we didn't realize, you know, we've been doing this for 20-something years, and maybe we didn't realize we had that in us until, heck, yesterday. And and I think maybe a, a lot of us maybe go through that. Um, but Julian's not on, on, we, we, we can probably drift off the subject a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think when it comes to feel, right. Um, we all know what feel is. It's always there. It's being able to feel it even slighter, right? Yes. You know, feel that, that slightest movement. And I, I think a lot of people chase feel too much. Oh God, Tuffy, Jesus! Yeah. Um, it, it's it, you—you've become the very wise man this evening. It, It's—I will say I have been a a and a I've been oh what, what's what I'm looking for? I've been guilty of that. I—I I, I mean, to the to the utmost extent extent is looking for feel, and you can't. It, it, I don't want to say you can't look for it's so hard to describe how feel comes to you, but that you just saying that people chase it too much, I think is one of the most important things that, that I will of course may, you know, keep in my head because when you chase it too much, you're not allowing it to, to, I guess, find you. And this might be getting a little more philosophical, but I, how does that sound? (laughs) I, I think I think with people that chase feel too much, like we all know that what that feels like for that, that horse to stop nicely when he finally does it, right? Or to back up correctly or, or roll over on his hind end 
and start to work a cow. We all know how that feels. And the people that feel it and they like the way it feels, well, I got to do it again and over and over and over. And then your feel's gone because now you're just drilling it into your horse. Even if he's doing it wrong, you think the feel's there. Exactly. Yeah. And it, I, yeah. And it takes it and and I'll, I'm going to go back into the kind of how this, you know, the industry humbles us is it's, it, that's a very humbling feeling and then hearing you say saying that toughy is i think the same thing it's very humbling as well and i to me i i want to hear humbling stories i don't want to hear bragging and from both of y'all it, it's that's i get more than that and it makes me feel a lot better about myself and and knowing that there's other guys like y'all out there that feel the same way and 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 Tuffy, you really I I think you've really opened up in in in, in the way you talked about your horsemanship. I mean, I've been guilty of it. I've been guilty <clears throat> of chasing that feel because it feels good when it first happens. You're like, this is awesome. I want yeah. it again. I yeah. want more. Yeah, it's like and heroin. The more you start <laughs> doing it that day, um, the worse it gets, and then that's where the frustration comes in too, right? Because. Yeah you know the horse can do it and you're like but you just do it like just do it again right and you're you're going backwards with your horse you are and 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 i'm gonna ask when you're giving clinics and and i i think i can i can try to relate to this is when you have a student do you have somebody that gets it and it's it's been something that's been totally asked backwards and you're getting on them and it could be simple as something like take the snaps off of that bit and put it on yeah. the halter you got under the bridle and let's yeah. see what happens. And when that hap- when something good happens from that, it's look, I've never done heroin before, but I, I've heard a lot about it. Yeah. <laughs> but that that's gotta be that what what we chase is, is you know, when we're teaching and we're helping people, those are the things we look for. And to me, it's almost like I guess when you combine crack and heroin, yeah. you're, you're not only helping the horse, but you're helping the rider as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I think that I think that the whole the whole deal with feel for me is it's not something that can be bought. And I think there's a lot of clinicians out there that are selling that idea that if you go to enough of my clinics, you'll buy feel. Like you'll, you'll, that's, that's the way to do it is you just keep handing over the money and this and that. And like feel, feel comes from experience. And it's just like, I think it was Malcolm Gladwell who talked about it. I think it was like 20,000 hours. It took 20,000 hours of practice to be like an expert at something. And he had this whole science behind it, but but how many hours of practice do you put in? And, and that's kind of how it is with fields. It's just something that's acquired over time and miles and it, it can't just be bought. It can't be sold. So I, that's something I tell people in my clinics all the time. I said, I, if you're here because you just want to, you know, you want to learn feel, this is not going to go great for you because that's not what we focus on. That's just something that occurs. It's, it's kind of a more, it's an organic event that, that kind of occurs in your learning and uh, your progression. Yeah, totally. And Amy and I talk about that all the time about, you know, the master class always says that, what is it? Ten to twenty thousand hours, you become a master or something. Yeah. Well, when you're riding, you know, uh, 
500 to 1,000 different horses a year, each one of those is an hour added to that. Or, I mean, each is an individual added to that 10 to 20,000 hours. So do we ever become a master? And I think that, to me, is one of the things that I – and look, I'm going to go ahead and say it for all of us. That's why we do this is because – we will never achieve perfection, but we're always chasing that better ride, that better horse, that better movement, that better foot placement. Um, yeah. And so I could be wrong, but I'm almost going to bet I'm right. Oh, you're, you're 100%, Tommy. Yes, spot on. And I think for me anyways, like, you know, for, for feel and actually figuring stuff out is, you know, an old guy used to work for, he'd send you out alone. There'd be a thousand cows together and he'd send you alone out to do it and just go get it done. And you really learn, you know, um, what to do. And, and, and it's a cool feeling because you're concentrated on getting a job done and your horse is just figuring it out. And then the more you do it, um, gathering cows by yourself, um, you start asking asking your horse different ways and I've caught myself doing it. Um, just getting out of his way. He knows what he's doing. Just let yeah. him go. No, I, I, it's getting out of his way. And, and Julian, what we were talking about um, when, when, when we lost you was, is, is, is Tuffy hit the nail on the head. I think to what you were looking for. Oh my God. <laughs> somebody doesn't live in a good service area no it wasn't it, meant to be and i i told him today i said make sure you're in a good area that you know because we're going to be on cell phones and so you should be able to get a good signal and 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 when i was talking to him it, the signal was perfectly fine but maybe on this format it might be a little more difficult but anyway i'm enjoying the conversation shit <laughs> Like, that's what really, you know, I was always trying to get a a horse to work a cow and just kind of pressuring it into him. And I I found out by doing a lot of it by myself, gathering cows, is I'm not helping him. Just sit up there and get out of his way and let him do it. He knows how to do these. I mean, he's born. He knows how to stop. He knows how to back up. He knows how to do all these things. Just get the hell out of his way. Yeah. And it's sometimes, you know, I, I've got to, I've got to tell myself what I tell a lot of, of, of people that I help and things, you know, when, when I'm teaching is ride what you feel. And then sometimes just ride them like they're, you know, and Brett and I, Brett and I and Cliff and, and Dan talked about this the other night is, is ride them like they're broke. And, and today I took my little hazel mare out and, and I'm just going along. I just had her in a little shank to my mouth and, and she's going along well. And then I'm like, you know what? She goes better when you just, I don't want to use the word pretend, but when you imagine what this mare do for you in the future and I'll be damned, that little mare went so much better and show me the potential that she has. It's just up to me to 
get her to do it precisely. But I know the ability of the, of the little horse, and I know she's better to the right to the left, but I'm not going to worry about that because, you know, I'll work it accordingly. But it's that's um, kind of oh, where was I going with that? But um, kind of what I enjoy about, uh, you know, riding these horses and letting them show me what they can do without really pressuring them. Because sometimes you could, as much as they're trying to avoid what you're, you're, you're doing, and I'm going to ramble on a little bit here, they, they're doing some of the correct stuff you're asking them without realizing it. So I take advantage of those points when they, or not points, but whatever you want to call it. But when that horse is actually trying to get away from me, there's going to be certain times when they're doing exactly what I'm asking of them. So I reinforce that. And then when they kind of fall apart, all I'm there to do is kind of support them through it. And they maybe don't understand that at the same time, I'm still training them. They don't understand what that means. And that is my TED talk for the evening. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I, I think, I think a lot of people too get too caught up when they catch their horse to ride out is I'm, I'm going to train on them. I'm, I'm training on my horse. Just ride him. Yeah. And Cliff, how do you, how do you step away from that? Like it, it's, it, you know, every time I put a foot in the stirrup, I'm like, I got to be training. I got to be training. I got to be training. And listening to you talk and listening to your philosophies, how do you avoid that? You know, I think it has a little something to do with, I'm, I'm, I'm an ADHD kid and, and, you know, over the years, I learned how to really, ah, sorry, um, but over the years, I kind of, uh, I kind of learned how to, to channel a lot of that into, you know, just hyper fixating on what I do and things like that. And I, I think it's been to, to my advantage, but I, I know that I kind of understand horses in a way that for me, it was always good to, to work on something for a little bit and then move on to something else. And then maybe come back and revisit that again. And that, that's always how I've learned is, is that like, if I got some information, I kind of like put my attention elsewhere and then maybe pick that up again. I, I would learn it way better like that. Almost, almost with like multi-stimulus, but not, none of it high pressure. And, uh, and so I kind of applied that to horses and it, and it really, it works. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff I've read about how horses learn and how their, their mind functions as far as, um, you know, how they, they grow dendrites in their mind as they learn and, and what like rest and re- rest and digest in between different actions often makes a horse kind of that that's burned or scored into their brain and they, they learn it way better that way. And it's, it's a, a really interesting topic. And I mean, it's a, it's a whole rabbit hole you can go down, but, um, but for me, I think that understanding that, you know, now kind of understanding how horses learn better, it makes a lot of sense to me. It's very relatable. So let let me and and with with that thought process or that philosophy that that's I'm I'm assuming that's within one ride, and I guess I guess the way I'm going with that is like when I am riding Hazel, or oh I can't remember the other horse, they kind of give me these five to seven mi- minutes of brilliance, and I'm just there to ride as correct as I can, but then there'll be three, four, five minutes of we're all over the place 
And my job is just to be there to be prepared for when all of a sudden they step into that, that correct movement, that, that um, question that I was asking of them. Would that, would that be similar to what you're saying? Yeah. Like, like if I, if I knew, if I knew my horse, like say I had a young horse and I knew they petered out after like five minutes of, of kind of really picking, getting them put together and maybe framed up and really riding around. If I knew that they were consistently petering out at five minutes, I might work them kind of harder for two and a half minutes and quit them before they quit me for a few times. And then you'll find, then you'll find that you can kind of start to move that threshold for their tolerance of how much time by actually cutting short and never, never running them out of gas. Cause sometimes you run them out of gas and they feel defeated and they just, you know, they don't try as hard after that, you know? Yeah. It, it's all, you know, and I'll, I'll say this probably with a little more of a, you know, humanist, you know, humanizing them a little bit is it's kind of, we change their mind, not so much through changing our mind, but being aware of, of maybe how we can, Oh God, I don't want to say confuse, confuse them, but, it, or beat them to the punch. But like you said, if you know they're going to peter out at five minutes, quit them at four. Right. And then all of a sudden, you, it, you know, to me, you might realize that in the next session, you're going to get six minutes out of them and quit them before seven. And then it gets yeah. maybe a little better and a little better from there. But then to be aware of, okay, 12 minutes is the farthest we can go with consistent hard work on this horse before he kind of or she kind of loses her mind is or not loses her mind but loses the concentration to what you're asking of them but i think the whole process of getting from that two minutes to 12 minutes yeah. is, is shit why we do this and, uh, and I, I i think if i could add one thing to that is that there has to be balance to it all though like so like i can't i can't forever just adjust what i need to get done in the day according to how many minutes that horses quarter last and and he runs out so there's there's got to be balance to it so maybe in the beginning when i'm really trying to get with the horse and and build some confidence and build some try and help him dig down and find a little try i'll make i'll let that horse i'll protect him and i'll let him feel successful as many times as i can to bring out some of that confidence and bring out you know some of that spark in the horse and and so on and so forth so so it's it's kind of a it's just a balancing act really you've got to you've got to be and you've got to have boundaries but you've also you know you've also got to be willing to to kind of soften the gun too at times well there there's something you said there and i'm writing it down right now is is let them be successful yeah and you that's the best way that i've heard anybody put together like i think it's something that that a lot of guys might understand or realize they just can't put it into words and that and, and that right there sam I mean, not Sam, um, Cliff, yep. that's an- or not answered, but it just put into, made it simple for me to explain what I've always kind of said is, is let them have their successes. Yeah. And from there, that horse is going to excel. Not only yep. the horse, but you as the trainer is going to excel as well. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, it, for me, it's, it's kind of a lot like how, uh, how my brother and I were raised in that our dad never, he, he was never the dad that came down on us because we failed. He would always almost like celebrate our failure just as much. He'd be like, well, you tried, you went out there and you, you tried your butt off and yeah, you skinned your knee and wrecked your bicycle, but you know what? 
you tomorrow you're going to go do it and you're going to go kick its butt and that, now you've got it figured out and and, it, and so he was always he was always positive even about that he never made us feel terrible and his thing was it was it he always kind of had the attitude that it was better to try and fail than to just avoid doing it and, and never try you know and and so i think that that really kind of stuck with me well that that i will I, I I will say, Cliff, I think that's that's a huge influence that maybe a lot of, of, of uh, not just guys, but girls look for and never get is you you had a try and fail experience as a child yep. and failing was not necessarily a negative, nope. but it was a positive and it, it's you know, realizing that, you know, and, and I, I, I love that now, any negative that I have, I'm like, you know what? <laughs> Sorry, you guys. Oh, um, no worries. But, but hearing that, you know, I, I, I'd love to hear that. Um, I'll put it in a nutshell. We, we all game from, uh, well, we all wish we gained from a negative experience when so you know somebody says yes, you did that wrong, but here's the positive to it. And you had that as a young child, and I think, um, or I guess I'm going to think that really stuck with you to the point you're at now. Oh, hello. Are you there? Yeah, we're still here. Oh yeah, I'm here. <laughs> Oh, we must have lost you. Well, good. That that didn't sound like a bunch of rambling then. Um, no, no. So, Tuffy, I'll let you go ahead. Oh, well, I mean, I always, like with my horses, and uh, maybe I look at things a little bit different um, when we're out on grass, but for the first few times with that colt, um, you know, it's kind of almost nice to have that cow beat him a few times, right? If he's kind of just loafing along and not really trying, it's it's kind of nice to have that cow beat him, and then you got to go a ways around and bring that cow um, back to the herd or whatever you're doing, because then he figures out this is a lot more work if I just would have got there. I was just about to ask you that if they figure out that it's a little little less work if they just stay right there instead of letting the cow go by them, it's a lot more work. Yeah, and I mean, I I mean, there's not every situation. There's a lot of times um, when I don't want cows to beat me. Um, but if if I'm just kind of working by myself and I have the time, and that colt's really not lining out for me or, or getting after something and going. Um, let that cow run off. We'll we'll go the long way around her, and we'll bring her back. Um, this is just going to be a longer trip for you, and you're going to figure out getting from point A to point B. Um, when I ask you to go, is going to be a lot easier on both of us. Yeah. And yeah. letting him figure that out, that he can get there. He just needs to figure it out, right? Yeah. yeah. So I guess sometimes it's like, I, I don't have kids, but I guess it's like telling kids, okay, go ahead and do it your way and see what happens. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of lessons to be learned in failure, and uh, you know <laughs> from 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 failures comes experience, and that's just that's what it takes to make a good one. 
like, and I find with my horses anyways, like my, my Yeldon was showing me today, um, you know, you, you're trying to peel pears out of the pan. And, and uh, as you're doing that, you're trying to watch the pan and watch who's pairing up and what cow, where calves are going. Or maybe you're just keeping your eye on a pair so you don't lose them. And then all of a sudden your horse jumps out from underneath you and tries to cut a cow off. Well, he was paying more attention than I was, and he doesn't want to do it again. Yeah. And that's what I look for in my horses, right? You know, that's what I'm starting to get real happy with my horses when they start thinking for themselves when we're in a working scenario and they start reading the situation and, and reading that cow's movement and actually hooking on to something. You know, I agree with you on that, and 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 that's what I miss about working cattle and 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 you know being in the open country like that is I've got to look for things that basically make my horse think for themselves, and it almost feels unfair because there again I'm I'm thinking of looking for things for them to challenge, so I'm thinking for them already in a sense. Uh, instead of using my horse for a job, I'm creating jobs for them. Now, that's not negative, I don't think, in any way. They still have to do what you ask of them, but there's a different mindset when it be, you know becomes to what, what I do, and I ask of my horses to what you do and have to ask of your horses is, you, you, you know, I can sit for a second and think, um, should I do this or should I do that with my horse? You, you're, you've got to, I got a split second to make a decision of what to do with my horse because of that cattle and the consequence. And I, I've just been away from that way too long to imagine what that feels like when it comes to riding and trying to train a young horse. Yeah. So I, you know. Um, you know, I, I I wish I could find that again, but I think those days might be gone. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, come on up here. We'll put you to work. Yeah. If I could handle the weather, it'd have to be the right time of year. You know, I think if it's not snowing, you got mosquitoes. So I've got to pick the um, best of the worst. I would definitely say for you, if you were going to come up here, definitely come up in in the summertime. I mean, you're more than welcome to come up year round, but the wintertime is probably not going to be that much fun for you. No, I I probably wouldn't handle that very well. Tuffy, where where are you based? I am uh, Manitoba, Canada. Oh, yeah. It's it's chilly up there. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, no, I, I, and being that I'm accustomed to, to handling mosquitoes and bugs and swampy weather, I don't think I'd make it up there during the winter time. So yeah, it'd have to be definitely be <laughs> time to get up there. And Cliff, you know what that feels like down here. I, I do, I do, and I, you know, there's a, there's, being in Montana was really nice, but it started uh-huh. every winter just got colder and colder, man. It was just, yeah, I, I don't miss winters, that's for sure. The winters would, would just, at first, you're like, wow, this is just, you know, beautiful. This is awesome. And I can't believe I'm, you know, doing what I'm doing. And yeah. then. Yeah, you, I thought it was Jeremiah it. Johnson at first, you know. Yeah. And you're, <laughs> like, you're like, this is amazing. Everybody wish they could do this. And then you get into it into feeding season and all of that. And you're like, 
oh my God, this, this is not what, what I signed up for, but I've got to get it done. But those three, what, what I will say three months of summer were to me, some of the best times I ever had in that, in that country, especially uh-huh. Bighorn. I mean, Bighorn was amazing. It was amazing. Um, you know, having the, the, the chance to work on the flying H and then being, being able to just ride over to the, to the club yeah. back in yeah. those days, you it know, it was nothing. It was nothing. And then yeah. we, you know, when Jerry and I lived over at the Purdy place, yeah. Um, I think one winter he was down in San Antonio with a bunch of green horses, uh, there at Ratama and I stayed up in, up at the Purdy place there right out of story. Yep. And boy, the winter was tough that year. Oh God, it was tough. And yeah. And, and people were like, Hey, let's go sledding, you know, on your off time. And I'm like sledding, what the hell is that? And then three hours later, I'm back at the house and my hands are numb and purple from holding on to a damn sled being pulled yeah. 180 miles behind a snow machine. But, yeah. Or we, but, we were there when I was there, we were feeding with the teams a lot in winter and that was horrible, man. <laughs> that was, you'd get all sweaty, you know, trying to chop bales off quick enough. And, and by the time you're done crawling around on all that, Hey, you're sweaty. And then you had to ride all the way back freezing to death. And uh, normally when you do that, cause I, I fed a lot with the team in the winter. Um, yeah. Normally, when you're going out there, you're nice and warm because the winds go. You're going exactly. with the wind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But as soon as you turn around, it never it fails that you're going through, right yeah. into the wind. Yep. Cuts right through you. Yeah. No, and it, it's funny to people. You know, I'd be like, "Yeah, I remember one day it was just the the prettiest bluest sky out there, and I went out and it was twenty below, and that sun was coming off, you know, bouncing off the snow, and I thought, boy, what a beautiful day, and I put on a wool coat and went out and put the truck in four low and started throwing hay. And then before too long, I'm down to just my shirt because I'm sweating. Yeah. And it's 20 below. Yeah. And you, you don't even think about it until you get into the cab of the truck and you're like, oh my God. It just God, hits you. Cold. It hits uh-huh. you. Um, nope. But I, you know, I'll never give back those experiences. I thought they were beautiful, and I think I want to do it again. But seriously, my other, you know, my shadow tells me that's not a good idea. <laughs> so I'll stay down here in the swamps. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. It's definitely not for the faint of heart up here. Like God, if you're no, gonna make to a living, up here. if you're if you're gonna make a living off the top of a horse year round up here, I mean, it takes some commitment to do. Yes, sir. Hey, Tuffy, I will say tonight you are full of wisdom in what you say because yeah, making a living up there is not for the faint of heart, and um, uh. <laughs> Um, I think what you put together tonight was was a lot of fun. Definitely. Oh, it definitely was. Um, I wish Julian would could have stayed on. Um, I think he had some great topics, but I think we were able to, you know, us three were able to take a lot from those topics and just yeah. have a great conversation. <clears throat> Heck yeah! I think he's almost. Um, I'm sure he's going to listen to this. Um, but I think he's almost asking too much. Of his horses. Yeah. Um, you, you, 
I'm, I'm still trying to gather what he was saying, but I, yeah, I think you're right. Tuffy is that he, he's in a position that it's, um, you know, I'm asking for a friend, but it's really, you know, for me is I'm having some issues with my horses, but maybe I'm expecting too much of them. And, 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 and you said that, that, yeah, it's, it's, he, he might be expecting too much of his horses. Yeah. I mean, uh, you see, I mean, I remember when I was that young, you see all these handy guys riding nice horses and you got a young horse and you want that nice horse right now. Yep. Oh God. Yeah. It, it's a, it's, it's a horrible feeling when you're like, oh my God, I can't wait till I'm 20 something and I'm making that much money making those type of horses but you're already 20 something and you're like, Oh shit. Well, am I going to make it? Yeah. So uh, like for, for the younger guys that are, that are listening, like take your time. It'll happen when it happens. Yeah. You know, and that's the thing is, is anybody that asks me, I, I, I think that's the best advice you could give them is take your time. Um, but to the more, I guess, the, the I don't want to say more advanced. That just doesn't, it's not the word I'm looking for. But maybe this someone that's got more of an intuitive sense is, yeah, take your time, but know when to apply pressure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think, too, the people you put, put yourself around, right? Like, if you're, if you're hanging out with some guys that, you know, enjoy or like to kind of put on a show and cowboy on their horse i mean before too long you're just gonna fall into into suit with them guys well it's it's oh god um i this is the only thing i could come up with there there there's a lot of dog and pony shows out there that'll make you look good for that moment and but there's very few Oh, I don't know what to call them, but there's very few people out there that that I guess do more without being seen, and that and that's not the way I want to say it. Is 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 if if I want to teach anybody, it's not going to be a dog and pony show. Look what my horse can do. It's I want to see the worst of your horse, the worst of you, so I can do the best that I can from what knowledge that i've gathered over the over you know the the past years and you know before that gets too deep cliff chime yeah. in <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know i i don't know when it when it comes to to kind of i don't know i avoid anything dog and pony show as you know i i, I always have people telling me you know you gotta you gotta build up your following you gotta you know, you got to have more merchandise and this and that. And and I just, I don't really want any part of that. I like just riding horses and making good horses. And, and I've been, I've been blessed to get to a place where I can get some really nice ones to ride. But anyhow, I think that, uh, I I think that, I don't know, it's, it, it just differs for so many people. And, and, you know, it's, it's something that I'm not even sure about, you know? Yeah. Not even being sure about that. Do you struggle with that? I don't know. I, I, I don't. I don't know. It's something I've never really. 
I've never really examined, I don't think. And I, I know Tuffy about yourself? getting way off the topic of where we started with this podcast, <laughs> but I think we're getting into some good conversation. Um, and I, I dig this kind of stuff is, 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 is Cliff, you've hit on something that I think a lot of us think about. Yeah. And what, what is your take on it or what's your experience? Now I want you to ask me that question. Okay. I mean, in detail. Like, no, I, I, I think, I think what, you know, what, what prompts that in you, what, uh, you know, what, what kind of causes, you know, what, what brings that out in you? I mean, I, I guess that's it. Like what, you know, where, where does that come from or where is it rooted? And I just, just your experience there. As far as, is wanting to be a better horseman or my insecurities? Um, it, I, it, I think that, uh, I think that for people in insecurities come about in a lot of ways, right? So like for some, it's like outright, you could just see they're an insecure person for others. It's, it's, more bigger egos, you know, more everything is fine on the outside. But, um, but, you know, go ahead. I think it's, it's, it's me against myself. Yeah. Against not, not against the horse, but with the horse. Yes. Um, I've gotten to the point where I'm over, I guess, other people's opinions. I'm comfortable with where I'm at, but I do value opinions from people that I value yes uh but the biggest challenge is is me against myself and what I'm what I'm asking of that horse and what I want of that horse knowing that sometimes what I want of that horse Mm -hmm. might not be where we're at and that's where I've got to come to the realization that okay here's where we start to pick apart the way I'm asking of this horse and figuring out where they're at. And, right. and, and it's, it's, God, I don't know if you'd say it's like taking apart a carburetor, figuring out why it doesn't work and do what you want it to. But it puts you at one of those points where uh, a learning point, yes, a learning point to where, okay, what's going to work to make this horse, you know, do what I'm asking of them. Um, but you know, it, uh, I could talk about this for three hours. <laughs> uh, getting to that point is, I think, still something that I go through every day is, is, is what, what am I asking of my horse? I go out with an idea of what I want from them, but sometimes I have to evolve myself or change my attitude to maybe what that horse is doing for me that day. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So how, it's, how do you make an adjustment to that? You, so you take a, take a three-year-old out and, and they did this for you yesterday. So you think today they're going to do this for you and they don't. What are the adjustments you make to handle that situation to instill a positive outcome to that unexpected ride you were having? Yeah. So to me, typically, typically what you see as the problem typically isn't, isn't the problem. It's something that happened before the problem happened. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so like, for me, I just generally, I just, I go back to like fundamentals. If I feel like I lost something in the, in the connection or communication with the horse, I just go back to putting the horse on my aids and getting, getting that horse, you know, more connected to my seat and leg and, 
And, you know, what that translates to roughly is, is doing a lot of lateral work and kind of breaking down the body, moving shoulders, moving hips, um, you know, doing that. And that, that's kind of the, the way I go about it you know, is, is fix it from a fundamental and then go back and, and kind of check your work back to, to where things went wrong. And you, then you'll see, like, if you fix it right on the, you know, back a few steps, um, if you fix it right there, you look ahead, typically it, it comes pretty smooth, you know, fixed. Well, let me ask you this. So it's fix the physical will help the mental. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when okay. you, oh, I mean, if you make a horse balanced and the, the better he feels about what he's doing, I mean, it's, it's mm -hmm. a proven thing. The more, the more balanced and the more collected a horse can get and, you know, be more steady on his feet the the more the horse desires it the better he does at it so i mean that's it's kind of i think the rule of it across the board with horses yeah no totally i i i it's that i i think is i i wish everyone had a pen and paper right now making notes of that um not not i mean just because i think that that's something Sometimes when I find people that think the same way I do, maybe it should be written down because I don't believe it. But it, it, that that little discussion right there, Cliff, was, was I think, and I, I don't mean to sound arrogant or conceited or, or, or self-indulging on this, but I, I think that was a very educated discussion, you know, response versus, you know, whatever. Yeah, um, and Tuffy, I, I I hope this doesn't look like we're we're taking over, you know, the podcast. Oh, you're fine, Tommy. Okay, I just I just I think we got into something there that that maybe didn't need to stop its flow, but 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 you listening, but it, what do you think? Um, you know, I I agree with you guys. Um, you know, it's. When I when I look at my horses, right, it, it it's me and my horse against the job, right? So fundamentals are always there, but it, it's me and my horse against the job. Um, and I don't really care how we get it done. As long as he doesn't buck me off um, <laughs> and we go out and we get the job done, I mean, it could look terrible. Somebody could be, you know, watching from – the outside of a pen or, or, you know, the boss could be watching and it could look like absolute shit. Yep. But as long as we got the end goal done, that's a win in my book. Tomorrow will be a little better. I, I totally, totally agree with you. And uh, to add to that, I think there's a lot of people out there, a lot of trainers, especially out there, that shelter and kind of protect their colts too much or, or their young horses too much. And, uh, and they – they're afraid they're afraid somebody's going to see them doing something ugly or riding ugly or maybe their horse's mouth is going to be you know pulled open while they're they're trying to get that horse to face up or something you know whatever whatever it is that that could go wrong in that moment and there's there's so many people that whose whose egos and reputations would suffer so much if they uh allowed their horses to get in situations like that where things get kind of ugly i mean i i, I see it all the time because i i go to a lot of these different events and these horses aren't they're trained but they're not prepared they haven't been exposed you know what i mean well let yeah. me ask you let me ask you this how do you prepare yourself 
to explain to the owner or writer of maybe what you're doing they shouldn't have seen. Um, it's something I think about yeah. all the time is explaining something that they should have not seen that will benefit their horse. So, so the, you know, not, not to give, give away the secrets, but it's, uh, I've learned that it's being able to see what's going to happen before it happens and being able to call that out to your audience mm-hmm. as you're teaching and say, you know, like if I have one going around, he kind of cocks his hip at me and I know he's going to kick at me when I, when I shake that flag at him and I'm going to have to spank his ass for that. So I'm able to say, okay, guys, watch the next time he comes by and I, I shake that flag, he's going to cock his hip. Now, next time he comes around, I am going to, I'm going to have to try to kill him for about three seconds and then I'm going to back off. And then, then there's no shock. There's no surprise. They understand what's going to happen, why it's going to happen. There's an explanation and there's almost, there's almost an anticipation. Then I find it creates in people like, Oh, is he, is he going to be bad? And, and is he going to need his butt spanked? Because, they now possess this little bit of knowledge. Knowledge is power, you know? So it, it, I think that is the ticket to helping people understand things better is, is the education prior to it happening and getting that off the table and kind of out there, you know? No, I, mean? I, th- I think that is awesome because it's like, why not put, uh, and, and this might not be putting it the right way, is why not put the worst in front of them knowing yeah. that the best is going to come from what you're asking of them. Yeah. Um, because you've taken the focus off. It, it, to me, I think sometimes it's changing the focus when you're teaching the public is, is, is maybe draw the obvious to what they might be thinking, but um, have them do the opposite, I guess, and then have them overcome, or not overcome, but have them learn from that situation. Uh, you know, I... I I'm just trying to think of, of how I teach when I do, but it, it's always throwing something in there that, that just listen to what I say and, and, and do what I, or, or do what I say, not what I do, I guess in a sense. Yeah. I think you said that earlier, Cliff, is, is, you know, do what I say, not what <coughs> I do, because there's a lot of things that we do that we're not going to have necessarily our students or our clients do but we just want them to see that it can be done. Yeah. Um, if that, I'll, I will say, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I think so. Um, so um, I guess we're not getting Julian back. <laughs> <laughs> Bad service. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, I think, I think we at least got to, we got to get into a good chunk of, of uh, what he brought to the table. I, I think there was some value in what we all shared and, and uh, you know, kind of looking back on it, at least, at least he got to, you know, have that experience. No, yeah, and he's got to remember too, he's still young, right? Yeah. Yeah. 21. Jeez. Um, Dude, I give him a lot of credit just for asking, just for asking. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I was sitting there going over my notes and I was like, okay, he asked this question when he was 20 and then all of a sudden he drops the bomb on us that he's 21. And yeah. I was like, wow, if I would have had that bravery when I was 20 or 21 to step up to a bunch of guys and start asking questions on, a, you know, a podcast, whatever, you know, whatever a podcast is, um, I wouldn't have done it. But I will say that, that that was his first step to becoming better at what he does. Well, and, and he's going about you know, he's not scared to ask questions. 
right? Um, when you don't ask questions, bad things happen. Like I've learned mostly everything I've learned the hard way. Yep. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. And I think asking questions like to me, you know, in this industry, when you're asking questions, like if I was to ask, um, ask you Tuffy X, Y, and Z, and you gave me the answer X, Y, and Z, I would be like, Oh, wow. We, don't do the same thing, but we have the same thought process. And then that we pass that on to Cliff and say X, Y, and Z. And he's like, well, I might be Y, X, and Z, but it's the same outcome. Yeah. That's what I love about these discussions. I agree. Yeah, and it, finding your own way, right? Never yeah. get caught up in the way somebody else does it. Yeah. Uh, never mimic somebody else, right? Find your own way to do it. Your oh, style yeah. works for you. Yeah, and, and 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 I think that's exactly it is is don't mimic someone else. Yes, take from somebody else. But is anybody going to be Ray Hunt? Is anybody going to be Tom Dorrance? No. They're going to be exactly who you want to be. And it's it's the methods that you instill that work for you. And I mean, shit, I'm 48 years old. I'm going to be, wait a minute. I'm 40. Anyway, I'm late forties. I'm still learning. I'm still looking forward to what this next year has to show me and what, what I'm doing, you know, with my horses. That's what I want from people. I think that's what I want from talking to people. And I might be wrong. I might be right. But talking to guys like y'all is, where we figure out that maybe there is no wrong or right. Yeah. Yeah. Just because something works for, for somebody, you mean it might not be work for you, but you might have a horse a couple of years down the road where nothing works. And you'll remember that day. Well, I'm all out of options. You know, I might as well try it and see what happens. Exactly. There, there was a guy I was talking to today and he wanted to come on, but he couldn't. And he said, you know, you know, there's times that I have when I'm riding a horse that that I think back to the podcast he's listened to on your page, Tuffy. And and he says, you know, so-and-so said this. And so I did it to my horse and it worked. And so this day I was having this trouble with my horse and -and so-and-so said this. And so I applied it and it worked. And, you know, to me... That doesn't have any, not any of these situations had anything to do with what I could do. But hearing those guys say that, I think was the coolest thing. Yeah. Well, it's definitely cool to hear people say that, that, you know, they get something, right? Yeah. And I, and I think that's all we want. I think there's just a bunch of people out there that are afraid to ask. Um, but there's maybe a lot of guys out there that want to give the advice and might be afraid to offer the advice as well. So I think it works both ways. And um, I just want people to, to, to know, and I think we probably mentioned this before, is if, they, if you need to reach out for anything, just reach out to us. Hell, we're here to help. Either it be horsemanship or anything that's got to do with this industry, reach out. We're here to help. Heck yeah. 
you know. Well, there's and, not and enough that... people out there doing that, right? This is a very cutthroat, unforgiving industry. God. Whether you're training horses or you're in the ranch industry, ranch industry, right? It's it's very cutthroat. No, and, and cutthroat, I think, is the word that that we all understand and it's been used, God, for. You know, I don't, I can't remember when I first heard that word, but 30 something years ago, this is a cut. The, the whole horse industry is. Yeah. And, and, and so it's, I don't want to say it's learning how to be more cutthroat than the other, but it's basically knowing how to avoid. Oh, Jesus Christ. Where am I going with this? Um, <laughs> it, it's how not to be cutthroat. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think I think too many people get get caught up in in doing that, right? Your your horses, um, or your cattle, or your herd, or whatever it is, um, they're gonna speak volumes of what you are. If you're putting up good horses, that's gonna speak for itself. You don't exactly. Have to get, you don't have to get cutthroat. You don't have to get nasty. You know anything like that? Um, your work is gonna show what you are. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I agree with you. And, and, you know, if you, if, if you've got some horses out there, that are maybe, maybe giving you a little bit of trouble work ethic to me is, is just adds on top of that. What work you put into those horses, but the worth ethic that you have to get through maybe some of the, the, you know, horses that might be a little bit nasty and things like that. You know, when you bring up horses that might be a little bit nasty or, you know, harder to work on, um, don't always ride the easy horse, right? Oh, yeah. Um, you know, if you always ride your good horses or, you know, don't put as much time into the harder ones, they're always going to stay that way. Yeah. Right, your bottom ender horses will always stay your bottom ender horses unless you put the time into them. That's right. No, you're right, and um, yeah, and I'm gonna say again, Tuffy, you are uh, full and full of wisdom this evening on the subject, and and it it gets me thinking that 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 wow, you know that that. You know, horsemanship, there, there is something to horsemanship being what I do, what Cliff does and what you do is, is maybe we're all thinking the same way when it comes to this, you know, uh, industry, I guess. I don't know. Um, but um, I wish, you know, Julian could get back into this conversation. But I think the way we're kind of coming to an end on this is, is, Ended quite well, even though it kind of took a 90 degree, you know, turn on what we were talking about. But I think what we what we did tonight. Okay, someone's got to stop me from rambling. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I think I think kind of, you know, what Tommy's saying is is that it's, uh, you know, nowhere, no matter where the twists and turns take you, you know, we're still all on the kind of that same path. We're on that, that same vein of. Um, how can we be better? How can we, you know, how can we make better horses and, and, uh, you know, and not, not have it cost the horse's soul in doing it, you know? And I, I think that's kind of where, where this is all going from. How do you keep your ego out of it? How do you, know, for the young guys, especially how do you keep your ego out of it? How do you keep your emotions in check? 
Um, you know, we kind of went all over the map on this stuff tonight, but you know, in a weird way, it's kind of, it all kind of connects and it, it all, you know, kind of runs in that same vein. So I, I think that's kind of a neat thing where this kind of took that organic turn, you know? Yeah. And, 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 and just what you said, you know, keeping the ego out of it and keeping it organic. Yep. Uh, it, it's, you know, I'm, I'm right there with you on that is keeping it organic yes, and, and, and letting the stuff happen. And, and, I guess that's the easy way of putting it is letting this stuff happen. And uh, we're going to know if it's going to work. We're going to know if it's not going to work. But before we go any further deeper into that, Tuffy, you're the host. Let us know how it went. I had a great time. Good. Good deal. I had a great time, and I cannot wait to do it again. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it, you guys. Oh, thank you for coming on it. Hope to be back on in the future. Yes, sir. uh, Yeah, hope to cross paths with you down the road, buddy. Hopefully. You never know what is going to happen. Yes, sir. Well, you guys have a great, great night. Yeah, thank you so much. We'll talk soon. Bye.